Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Manchester United recover from a terrible week to thrash Norwich City for four at Old Trafford. The Reds had been humiliated by a far superior City side, drawn in the cup at Wolves to force an unwanted replay and all of that having already lost to Arsenal on New Year's Day. Four goals at Norwich put a plaster over the wounds but don't quite stitch them up. We discuss the latest ongoings at the club in Series 5, Episode 22 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with just me, Harry Robinson, this week. And as always, there is... And as always, there's our extensive youth loan and women's roundups in the middle of the show. There's also the small matter of a trip to Anfield to preview. Marcus Rashford right at the end! Oh, yes! Now it's just me this week with Jack away in South Africa. He was set to record uh, alongside me this week from Cape Town, but uh, there's a power cut in Cape Town, which apparently they they occasionally do when they don't have quite enough electricity to satisfy demand. So he can't uh, he can't join the Skype call this week and and give his opinions on what has been a, a tumultuous week for Manchester United. There's rumours of signings of Bruno Fernandes from Sporting Lisbon in Portugal. There's rumours of, of other signings for Manchester United as well, but there's also been a, a gutting 3-1 defeat in the League Cup semi-final, the first leg of that semi-final to Manchester City. There was a loss to Arsenal on New Year's Day. We haven't recorded since then. And there was also, as I said in the intro, an unwanted draw against Wolves that forces a replay on Wednesday night in the FA Cup third round. But... 
things were slightly improved by a 4-0 win against Norwich. Now, this is a, but before I go through any specific player or anything else, this is a kind of win that United have, have struggled to find under previous managers. And so you can criticise Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for so many things we have done. You can criticise the, the current team, the current players for a number of things. But I think it's with, with more frequency that we're starting to see these, these good wins against pretty poor sides, admittedly, under Solskjaer at United, more so than than under Mourinho and Van Gaal and David Moyes. Um, and, and that doesn't kind of, as I said, it, it doesn't fix the issues that we saw against City. It doesn't fix the fact that on other times, away from home particularly, United have, have come unstuck against teams like Sheffield United, Wolves in, in recent times, but also other teams lower down in the table. And, and that goes back to last season when we had terrible results against Huddersfield and Cardiff right at the end of the season. So it it doesn't fix those issues. But when United do manage to, to, to break down these teams, they are occasionally finding these these three, four goal victories, uh, which was far too rare, particularly under Louis van Gaal and also under Mourinho as well. The first point I want to start with is Juan Mata, who I think is is part of the reason for that, that big win for United. I think United probably would have won this game anyway had Mata not started. But... He was a, an important cog, uh, an important asset for United going against a team in Norwich that is, is having a, a pretty poor time of it, sitting at the bottom of the Premier League. They are a poor side and that fact shouldn't be forgotten because this this is a win that if United now go out to, to Wolves in the FA Cup in that replay, uh, this this four goal win will be very quickly forgotten. But Mata, I think his, his involvement in the starting lineup in caused uh, some some raised eyebrows, some size for people going to the game and people watching on TV or streaming some some area of the world. But this is the this is the right game for Mata. Now I still think giving him a, a two year contract to an aging Juan Mata who is, let's be honest, not good enough to be starting for Manchester United regularly and not good enough to be giving the given the wage that he is being given I still think that was the the wrong decision. But if United are going to play him in any kind of game, this is this is the right one. He can't keep up when United are counter-attacking with, with Rashford, Dan James, Anthony Martial, with the, the pace that is in that forward line. But he is good against lower table sides at home when there is space and time. And that, that was shown with two assists, but not just two assists, but in terms of keeping up the, the pace of the game, finding the passes that, that kind of took a, took apart that Norwich defence, which is pretty weak to be fair. Matt's involvement in the side would be fine if if this was it, but he's been played too many times this season. I think it's already 18 or 19 times. I think he's played as many times as, as he was doing last season when we could already see that he wasn't good enough to be to be starting so regularly for United. So Solskjaer's got to choose him in the games where it's appropriate. What's good is that we saw Angel Gomez come on against City um, and, and against Norwich as well. And that is, we need to be seeing more of, of someone like Angel Gomez. Not necessarily him, although I think it, it should be him. But whoever you want, we need to be seeing that in different kinds of games. When Mata isn't suitable for the opposition, whether that be an away game to, to Burnley or uh, a, a big game against City or, or Arsenal or Spurs or whoever... He's got to be used in the right scenarios. Now, Anthony Martial and, and Marcus Rashford added to what are now very good records for the season. Martial now has as many goal involvements this year, so that's goals and assists, in 22 games as in 38 appearances last season. And obviously the the departures of Romelu Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez have helped with that. But it's a good season for Martial so far. He's had some games where some people have claimed he's not looked bothered and he, he clearly needs to do more as as a first choice centre forward for United he he does have to do more he's got to be more consistent he is 
<laughs> all right, he's got to be more consistently good. At the moment, he is quite consistent. He's basically scoring one every two games, and, and in some games, he's playing better than others. But he he doesn't often come with a performance where you think, where where's that come from? It's it's pretty easy to predict how Martial's going to play, and and as many people have said before, you can kind of tell from the from the first few minutes as you can with many United players. Marcus Rashford, meanwhile, is is really just coming into his own. 19 goals this season. It, it would have been 20 were it not for the, the dubious goals panel giving a, a slightly dubious decision themselves and giving Rashford's header against Aston Villa to, as an own goal to Tom Heaton. Um, but I think the key thing with Rashford is that when he signed his new contract, which is quite a large contract, um, some people have claimed it's around £200,000 a week, United fans well, quite a lot of United fans were concerned. Now, that contract was partly to fend off interest from Barcelona, who were genuinely interested in signing Marcus Rashford and, and sounded him out. And, and the Rashford family went out to Barcelona to see what it would be like living there. It never really got that close. And I don't think an offer was ever submitted or anything like that. But it was to partly fend off interest from, from Barcelona and commit Rashford's future to the club. And, and when that contract was signed, the United fans who weren't sure about Marcus Rashford's and even those who were, were saying, well, this is the kind of amount of money you should be paying a player who's going to get you 20 goals a season as a, as a striker. And he's now going to get that. 19 goals already. He, he could end the season with, with 30, 35 goals in all competitions, beating the records of Romelu Lukaku and, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic in recent years. If he does that, then, I mean, this is that's a fantastic player. And, and people can't have doubts about that. There's still people watching Marcus Rashford saying... He's not good enough for United, saying he needs to improve massively if he's going to play for United in the future. And it's, I think, I think people are just basing it off his his performances as a number nine when when either Martial was injured or when he's been played there um, under various managers. He isn't the right player to be playing as United's number nine, but what he is is a fantastic left-sided forward who cuts inside and causes absolute havoc and, and has the, the skill, the talent, the ability uh, in, in various areas of his game to really cause problems to Premier League defences, whoever they are. And we've seen that. He's scored big goals in big games against Chelsea, City, whoever, but also he's, he's getting two or three, well, not three yet, but uh, one or two in games against Norwich, Burnley, whoever whoever it is. And he definitely is coming into his own. And, and Rashford, Martial and Greenwood, uh, who I'll move on to in a second, have now scored 39 goals between them, which is just one behind the, the total scored by Lukaku, Rashford and Martial during the, the whole of last season. So there's still four months of the season to go and they're, they're basically out outdoing last season's forward line already. So you can ask where, well, many people did ask when Lukaku and Sanchez were sold, where are the goals going to come from? Well, you've got your answer. Before I talk about Mason Greenwood and, and round off that front three, Brandon Williams... Um, again, has shown why he deserves to be United's first choice fullback. Uh, Ashley Young looks like he's off to Inter Milan. He wasn't in the matchday squad against City or Norwich. Whether he makes that move this month, which I think would be a, a massively stupid idea for Manchester United, they shouldn't let him go until the summer. Um, yes, he's, he shouldn't be starting for United, and we shouldn't have to resort to Ashley Young, but that is the reality and if you're not going to replace him there's no need to sell a really experienced player the club captain who can play in various positions and, and offer United something still and offer something better than, than other players in the squad who won't be sold apart from that Luke Shaw injured in the warm-up but Williams was already starting and, and while Shaw's injured young signing contracts with Inter Milan Brandon Williams was absolutely bossing it again 
it was Norwich. He, he didn't have to do too much defending, but when he did, he did it well. And what was important is it, he plays a game at, at sprint speed, not at the, the casual gallop of, of Luke Shaw. And he's he's fantastic at winning penalties, which is one, one of the big um, involvements in the game he had. He's done it for the youth teams constantly. He sprints into the area, slows down and draws that foul from from the uh, defender or this time it was the keeper Tim Krull it's, it's an old tactic used by many players but one that is, has been consistently successful for Brandon Williams he did miss an, an, an absolute sitter after uh, and, and he, he should have scored there was a little bubble on the ball but he, he smashes it over and, and looks absolutely gutted and he should have been he, it should have been 4-0 at that point and United eventually got their fourth but terrible miss from Brandon Williams but what was great is you never see Luke Shaw in that position and if you did then there's no way that Shaw will be getting back quick enough to, to help United defend after the the following or subsequent goal kick whereas Williams was storming up the left side eventually got to that far post um, on that far left post and, and did stick it over but he showed the commitment and the the ability to get there and then sprinted back quickly um, to get back into his position and help United. He's so clearly United's best performing left back at the moment and should be there for for the main games. And he should start against against Liverpool. If that means he has to be rested in the in the Wolves FA Cup replay, then so be it. That's fair enough. It's a busy time, but he should be playing at Anfield next Sunday. Now on to on to Mason Greenwood, 18 years old, three goals in his last five games. He's only started one of those games, and that shows his. He, he's just unashamedly focused on on finding the back of the net. Minutes after he came on against Norwich, he received the ball on the edge of the area, drove an effort towards the bottom right corner, and, and it made its way in. And it's not the first one we've seen against Everton, as at Alkmaar, a number of other sides. He's got nine goals this season. It's the kind of record you'd be expecting from a much older player. This is a Mason Greenwood who turned 18 only very recently. He's still playing for England's youth sides. He's just coming into his first full season as a United player. And there were some saying he should have gone out on loan at the start of the season. And it wouldn't have been the right decision. Now you're seeing the, the, the talent of this player. And there's there's many elements of selling Romelu Lukaku that you can disagree with. And, and I would disagree with, with not replacing him, to be honest. But one of the benefits is that you get to see Greenwood coming on and playing in games like this, and that's that's a massive positive because Greenwood is developing at a rate you would you would never have were he out on loan to the to a Championship side or even a Premier League side. Um, nine goals in a season. He, he's got, he's on on route to a twenty goal season <laughs> record at the age of eighteen when he's not the first choice striker for United when he's coming off the bench starting in in various games. That's that's amazing. Another point of the Norwich game was the the anti Glazer anti Edwardwood chance resurfacing again for the first time in years at at that volume and that consistency. They have occasionally appeared. They appeared in the game against Cardiff at the end of last season, but at that volume, that consistency, and and that coverage, the first time in a while, and it was a message and a song that goes back more than a decade. And, and with the side winning three 0 up at that point, it came from the the Red Army section of the Stretford end. And it was a clear message, and not one that was that was pre-planned or coordinated. It was spontaneous, and it got the coverage against the Glazers, Edward, whoever it be, whoever it may be. It got the coverage in in the media that the fans probably wanted um, it to get. And in terms of what the songs were, there <laughs> there are some people who are saying it's disgusting, and this this often comes from people who who aren't aren't part of of that fan culture. And it comes from journalists who have, who have spent far too much time in in press boxes and far too little time going to games as as a as a as a fan of whatever club they support. And these songs that have 
as saying that Edward was going to die. They're, they're not literal. United fans sing that about City as well. They sing it about Malcolm Glazer many years ago and they sing it about Liverpool. They're not... When they sing about hanging Kenny Dalglish from the highest tree in town and burning down the tavern, it's not, it's, it's not literal. And yes, you can get offended by those things. That's fine. But to be honest, you've got to accept that they are not literal. And if you don't, you take away a, a serious part of football fan culture and you leave yourself getting angry at a, a thing that's not really... There's no point about getting angry about it. It's sending a message. Um, and these these were not. This was not a planned protest. This was something that spontaneously, organically came out of of a group of fans who were going to a game together, who had cheered on their team for for seventy five minutes, seen them go three 0 up, and then thought it was an, an appropriate time to vent their frustrations against a, a board and a and a man who has caused United to to be in the situation they currently are, which is far from good enough. Moving on from those, last thing on the Norwich game, Nemanja Matic started another one that would raise eyebrows and has done since he he, he came into the team recently against Burnley in, in late December. He's played in five consecutive games now. He came on at half-time against City. He, he cannot be used against Wolves and Liverpool, is my main point. He, he's good at the moment, and this is something I, I'll admit I got wrong. I thought Matic was finished, it, it was all over, and he had to be sold in January. It looked like he would have been sold in January. But... When he plays one game a week and he's rested enough, he's playing at a much quicker pace than we've, we're used to seeing him play over the last 12-18 months. He's covering the defence well. He was key against Norwich and yes, it was an easy game. But also when he came on against City, he shored things up and, and United did play a little bit better in the second half, even though it was a terrible game. He's he's semi-important again because of the injuries to Pogba and McTominay. And there is little chance he stays beyond summer and that, that's rightly so. He shouldn't be at United next year. But for now, he's useful but he does need to be used. And that, that's partly down to injuries to United's best young midfielders in James Garner and Dylan Levitt, though they've just recently returned to the to the under-23s. But he cannot be overplayed because as soon as you overplay him, he's going to return to the, the hapless midfielder in the central centre areas of the park that, that we've seen before for United. Um, now, we haven't spoken since Arsenal or City or, or Wolves as well. The Arsenal City games, two of the worst performances of, of the Solskjaer era. The Wolves game, just a little bit boring. Arsenal was, was meek and, and we were outplayed, outfought. Whatever you want to say, whatever vocabulary you want to use, it, it was a, a really poor game. It was a it was an interesting away day to be at. It was New Year's Day at 8pm was a, a slightly weird concept and the away end was pretty pretty full of, of tourists coming to what may have been their, their first United game. That always happens with the London games, but I think the scheduling of it made that even more the case. Uh, the same was true for a lot of the Arsenal home end. I think it was a, it was a strange atmosphere um, from the start, but also United were, were absolutely terrible. And f- from pretty much the start, it was, it was apart from one, one early Rashford shot um, against Bern Leno, which, which looked United, United were, were starting the game well. Apart from that, two minutes in it was pretty blatant from then on that United were, were being outplayed and deservedly went into half time losing City was was terrible Meek again actually looked looked clueless and, and we were trying to get to half time without conceding half a dozen goals and that's embarrassing but it, I, I think what's even more humiliating is that the scoreline could have been worse but that makes it all the more humiliating in, in how we look at the game and I think the City game as I say, the Norwich game has kind of put a little bit of a plaster over these issues. It's not it's not stitched them up, I think is what I said in the intro. But the City game evoked a lot of feelings for United fans and for people covering United about what's going on at the club. And I think it's 
it's worth remembering again that United's problems don't begin or end with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And United's solution to their current failures does not begin or end with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And this is the point we've I've certainly made constantly on this podcast is that Solskjaer might not be the fix, the solution, but he's certainly not the problem. And he definitely is helping United to improve the, the way they're run as a club and to improve what they're doing and certainly improve the connection between fans and players, which has been really, really poor for the last five years, half a decade. Saying that, it's also worth remembering, and the game against City and Arsenal and Wolves even, is a, is an example of this, is that United's problems don't begin and end with Solskjaer. City's brilliance, nor Liverpool's brilliance, begins or ends with, with Klopp or Guardiola. But if you swapped these managers around, there would not be the gap that there is between United and Liverpool. There wouldn't be 27 points or however many it is now between Solskjaer's team and Klopp's team. And a better manager and better players would improve the situation. And the fact that the the, the top-level people at, at Manchester United, it doesn't really appear to be a priority, tells you all you need to know. Football has, has, has been an afterthought at the club for, for far too long and that comes from the very top. Not even just from Ed Woodward because it's been a, a long time before he came. It comes from, from the owners of the clubs, the Glazers. And Woodward is, is, has an inability to run a football club in the way it should be run, to run Manchester United how it should be run. But the, it, it, even, even when you're criticising Ed Woodward, it's worth remembering that this comes from the very top of the club and the way it's, it's, it's owned by the Glazer family and, and how they view Manchester United as a, as a cash cow, not as a football club to, to make successful again. And, and when you were watching that City game, you thought that the thing about this is everyone knows that that loss was because of a lack of quality in United's side and yet we're in the middle of a transfer window and seemingly doing not that much to change it. Saying that, we'll talk about Bruno Fernandes in a second too is being heavily linked with Manchester United once again not that I'm that confident of signing him but before that we'll go to our youth and women's roundup as always in the middle of the show United under 23s returned from their winter break on January the 6th with a 2-0 loss to West Ham they did recover with a 2-1 win against Newcastle United an own goal gave them the lead and Jimmy Garner got the second soon after Hannibal Medjbury the 16 year old signed from Monaco for 10 million in the summer he played very well and continues to impress at a young age he looks like he's been a, a clever signing despite being so expensive. Dylan Levitt also made his return as well as Garner in that game from injury. They've both been injured over the Christmas break. The under 18 still haven't played since their winter break, but return by hosting Liverpool the day before the first team go to Anfield. Three days later, the under 19s go to Norwich in the fourth round of the FA Cup. For more on the latest FA Youth Cup side, I got a piece in the latest United We Stand fanzine on Mark Helm, Charlie McCann, Hannibal Medjbury, and a few others about and involved in that FA Youth Cup side. Casey Stoney's Women's United side lost to Bristol City in the Women's Super League on January the 5th and now go to face Brighton in the FA Cup on Wednesday, the same night as United's Cup tie against Wolves in the men's competition. It was meant to be United's Women's against Liverpool last weekend, but it was called off due to a waterlogged pitch. Now, I said we'd, we'd mentioned Bruno Fernandes. A move does look possible for the, the Portuguese midfielder, just like in the summer. Uh, one Portuguese TV channel, which broke Edison to City, I think, claims that... Bruno Fernandes to United could be completed on the day that we record this. I'm recording it on a on a Monday morning. Another suggests it's it just depends on confirming who United will send over to Sporting, who will get money for Bruno Fernandes and one or two players, either on loan or permanently. You'd expect one to be Marcus Rojo, but his wages could cause an issue. If it happens, then United have, have finally been willing to offer the right money. Why they didn't do it in the summer 
if they wanted him, is baffling. And it seems if, if United get this over the line, then obviously United wanted Bruno Fernandes. So why they waited until January to do it is, is really baffling. If the deal also goes through, it, it, another big positive is it will mean the wages of, of Rojo and or someone else off the books, and that's good. Though I was reminded this week, um, while seeing Alexis Sanchez not start for Inter Milan, that we're still paying hundreds of thousands of pounds each week, which is shocking. And the, the thing with the Bruno Fernandes saga, as it is, it's been going on for months now, it, it wouldn't solve everything. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen at all, but if it does... It won't solve everything, and that much needs to be remembered because he will undoubtedly offer uh, United some more creativity, something that we've been we've been lacking. But we all know how many issues there are at United, and that can't be overlooked. This one signing won't change the whole side completely, and and that shouldn't be that kind of pressure shouldn't be put on Bruno Fernandez. It shouldn't be put on on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. You shouldn't suddenly say, well, he's got one one creative midfielder. Everything should start improving quickly. That's that's not the case. United need a number of signings and a number of changes in terms of the structure of the club to genuinely improve this team and the club um, going forward. Now, previewing the next week, uh, United got Wolves on Wednesday in the FA Cup replay. As I've mentioned, the third round of that, we're going to play Watford or Tranmere away in the fourth round if we beat Wolves. United have got to win this game. A cup run is necessary in a season which is 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 difficult for United. Obviously, still in the Europa League, still just about in the League Cup. But an FA Cup run is, is always important and always helps, as we saw last season when United beat Chelsea and Arsenal away um, before going out to Wolves again at, at Molyneux under Solskjaer, and that was a, a really gutting moment. And the, the wins against Arsenal and Chelsea were brilliant moments. It's Wolves on Wednesday, then Liverpool on Sunday. That that should be enough time to to rest and to play to play two strong sides. But given the injury situation, it's difficult. Harry Maguire is now fit and claims he's ready to play every game. Uh, as I said earlier, Brandon Williams should absolutely start against Liverpool. He's United's best performing left back. There's no doubt about that. If that means Shaw starting against Wolves, then fine. Or Ashley Young or whoever it is, but United could also look to to the the rest of the youth system and, and perhaps play Diogo Dallo in one of the fullback positions and give Ethan Laird a chance at right back or at keep Aaron Rambasaka there as well. Liverpool at Anfield is 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 such a difficult game. You just know that, that whatever the result, obviously apart from a win. So uh, but if it's a if it's a draw or a loss, there will be people calling for, for Solskjaer to be thrown into the river well or something ridiculous like that. And it's a uh, it's a sign of the times that we go into a game like this expecting nothing. And more than that, saying that if there's a part of me that feels if, if we do lose, it's not that bad. And that is, I mean, that's a, the harsh reality of Manchester United at the moment. And you can blame whoever you like for that. You you choose for whatever, uh, whichever you, you put down as a culprit for that or however many people. But what we need to see is how Solskjaer can cope against Jurgen Klopp and this this brilliant Liverpool side at Anfield. He's never taken United to Anfield before. It's a game that got Mourinho sacked in December 2018. And we need to see a, a good tactical setup, the right lineup, and a good performance. And at the end of the game, we can judge all of that, whatever the result. On the other hand, a win would be so, so sweet to stop Liverpool's unbeaten run, potentially stop them being the, the second invincibles and at least wipe a, a small element of the, the smiles off their faces in what is a painfully brilliant season for them um, and it's got me looking at, at where I can fly to as far away as possible in, in May in case they, they win more than just the Premier League which it looks like blatantly obviously that they will that is all we have time for on, on this episode of the Manchester United Week Podcast sorry that it was just me but you can blame the electricity handers in, in, in Cape Town where Jack is at the moment um, he'll be back 
for our next episode, which will either be after Wolves this Wednesday or after the Liverpool game at Anfield on Sunday. If you go into either of those games, enjoy. I know the the game against Wolves at Old Trafford will be a, a quite an empty Old Trafford, such as the the scheduling of it, the late scheduling of it. If you go into that, enjoy it, and it'll be it'll be interesting because there's no Red Army section in the Stretford end for this one. So you will notice, I'm sure, if you're going or if you're watching on the TV, that the atmosphere is significantly worse. And if you go into Anfield, then enjoy it stay safe even though you, it's pretty tame these days and enjoy the game thanks for listening as always for more from me on twitter you can find me on at harry robinson 64 the podcast at utd weekly pod that's pod at the end there. and if you want to know jack's thoughts on this week the next week and whatever's going on at united he's at utd tate that's t-a-i-t thanks as always for listening if you're enjoying the show please leave a review on itunes or share it on twitter whatever have a great week goodbye Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.